What's up, Oasis? How you doing? Come on, who's, whose brain went there? There's so much drama in the LBC. It's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double-G, but I somehow, some way, keep coming up with really great sermons like every single day. May I kick a little something for the G's and make a few ends as I breeze through. Two in the morning and the party's still jumping. Your turn. Somebody was like, no, 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 no. Somebody brought their boyfriend or their husband to church for the first time they went, because my mama ain't home. I like this church. I like this, this church. Don't even read the scripture. Just keep reading Snoop lyrics. Man, welcome to church today. I think today is going to be a powerful time with God. You know, as a pastor, one of the number one things that I get prayer requests about are anxious people worried about money, worried about their finances. People stress, anybody been stressed out about money? And you start talking about the year when it was good, when you had that job and they had all the benefits and now you just can't seem to get ahead. And we do something that I want to talk about today. Uh, and so I'm, not, I'm going to jump straight into the passage of Scripture. Who would have thought we'd be talking about the Lord's Prayer when it comes to money? But we're, we're going to read from Matthew 6, verse 5 through 13. Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. Jesus didn't say they didn't love to pray. He said they love to pray. But they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, this is coming from when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and notice he doesn't start off with how to pray, he starts off with how not to pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who pray because they want to be seen, because they want to show off. It says, no, 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 when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. You don't, your, your prayer doesn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. Somebody told me that. You ever seen that person where you, you about to eat the Chick-fil-A, and, and you, got the, you got the Polynesian sauce and the Chick-fil-A sauce? And you got that old long-winded prayer warrior and your chicken sandwich is getting cold. Lord, I beseech your throne. We thank you for the chickens that laid down their life so that we may come into communion with the Father. And you got like got your bite like that. I'm like, dang, man. Jesus said, don't pray like that. My fries is getting cold. Now I got to tell you the theology of prayer. Don't pray like that brother's hungry up here. He says, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. They think that God responds to their eloquence more than their heart. But he says, no, 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 don't be like them either, for your father knows what you need, not because you asked them, before you asked them. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're not going to go through the whole thing. We're going to stop at verse 11. Give us this day our, our daily bread. I want to preach a message that I've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. Got my mind on my money. Father, I thank you so much for the people 
in this room, your sons and your daughters, God, I'm praying right now that you would come right now in power and in honor and in glory and release people from the bondage of stress and anxiety when it comes to finances. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I want to let you know how much culture impacts the way that you think. It's really subliminal. When I was a kid, I just turned 42 years old, so I was in this shift of music. I was when it went from, I was alive when it shifted from love to money. I remember when Bobby Brown came, he had this song in the 80s called Tenderoni. We were taking roses to school, trying to fall in love. And next thing you know, 1991 hit and a song called Gin and Juice came out and no roses to school anymore. I was thinking about money. I had my mind on my money and money on my mind. 12, 13, 14 years old. And I just want to submit to you that I feel like Snoop lied to us. Because first of all, Snoop didn't have no money when he wrote that song. Because I want to give you a couple of key lyrics. Two in the morning and the party's still jumping because my mama ain't home. You don't have money if you live with your mama still. And this is what's wrong with our culture. Where was his mama at 2 a.m. and the party was still jumping? Ain't nothing holy happen after 10.30 at night and your mama ain't home. Let me tell you another thing he said. See, I'm not trying to attack culture. Snoop, if you're listening, I'm just saying I love you, man, but you lied to me. Specific lyric, you said you had your cup with Seagram's gin and the homies got their cup, but they ain't pitched in. Last time I checked, Seagram's gin is the cheapest gin you can buy, $79.99 a bottle. Why do you need anybody to chip in on Seagram's gin if you got your mind on your money? <laughs> Biggest lie in the song, right before he said, got my mind on my money, he said these two words, laid back. You ever seen anybody laid back thinking about money and stressing? Have you ever seen anybody laid back thinking about their... When's the last time you laid back thinking about how that bill turned pink on you and how they about to cut the lights off? When's the last time you laid back? I'm stressed waking up, eyes all big. I've never once laid back in my life. I'm telling you, I remember when the culture shifted. It's here now. What does Cardi B say? Bands in the coop. People finishing the sentence, you see that? You didn't finish the Lord's Prayer when I read it. You didn't even know what was coming next. But I say a Cardi B song, and you say, busting out the root. That's what's problem with this culture, man. That's what the problem is. Oh, let me tell you something. I believe that Destiny's Child will be held accountable to Christ at Judgment Day for that song, Bills, Bills, Bills. Because it changed the whole dating dynamic. I'm stressed now. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bill? Who are you calling? That, I, that you need me, you need to get on a family plan. 
AT&T has unlimited minutes, and you telling me that we can't be together unless I pay your phone bill? Who do you call? You calling Zimbabwe? What is going on? And I, I, and, and I honestly, I, I'm still, I, I can't even talk right now because I'm still in bondage over no scrubs. I, 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 1999, I haven't rolled in the passenger side of my best friend's ride since then. And subliminally, we don't understand that people are trying to tell us we don't have enough. Remember when a luxury car was the Acura in the rap songs? Wu-Tang, they, the Wu-Tang song had a song about a Mazda MPV. They rolling through the, and now you got a Mazda and you're stressed. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were eating a poached egg and avocado toast. And we were talking about stressing about money. I said, but you eating avocado toast and a poached egg, you ain't even cooking your eggs. Like, like you. Broke people don't eat avocado toast. <laughs> broke people don't go to brunch. You're not as broke as you think. The, the world's trying to give us a, a poverty mindset. Trying to make us feel that who we are and what we have is not enough. And to give us this insatiable appetite for more money, and the Bentley, and the Ferraris, and, and then we gotta like, the clothes, and, and people aren't, can't even like, don't even, I'm not even talking about giving to church, but they don't even get to the church, but they're putting Gucci sweaters on charge cards, like, and, and it's bondage. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to break it today. That you will not live one more day in fear of what you don't have. Well, why did we read the Lord's Prayer if we're talking about money? Because the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. Jesus did a bunch of stuff. Jesus did a bunch of stuff. And I can only find one passage of Scripture where the disciples asked Jesus how to do something. Now, we know from the book of Luke, I just read from Matthew, but we know from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus had just got done, finished praying and then the disciples had this conversation with them, teach us how to pray. And there is no scripture in the Bible that explains why the disciples wanted to learn how to pray. I have heard from some theologians and some pastors that they believe that Jesus was operating in so much power, in so much revelation, and so much relationship with God the Father that they thought maybe it's his prayer life, and so maybe we should learn how to pray so we could have what he has. I submit to you that that might be true, although there's no scripture that proves that it is, but I want to give to you another possibility based off what Jesus said first out of his mouth. He first told them, do not pray this way. And what way did he tell them not to pray? He said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. Well, what was their reward? Prayer back then was cool. Praying publicly in the streets was like the Instagram of today. 
See, we, this, we got to understand the context because praying in public today is not cool. So I want to submit to you that it is possible that they saw those Pharisees praying these long-winded, amazing prayers, and they saw the girls next to him going, Ooh, did you hear what he said, girl? He said he beseeches the throne. We need to... Because praying in public was popular. So maybe they saw all the people paying attention to the people who could pray, and they said, Jesus, look at what, how much attention they get when they pray. Because why did Jesus say they get their reward? Because their reward was the, the applause of people. So now praying's not cool, but having money is, and so we do it so people can give us a round of applause. And you cannot handle being worshipped. So Jesus started off his sentence with how not to pray because I want to submit to you it's possible they were praying or they wanted to pray to be noticed. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Do not submit to the, to the desires to be known, to be, to be great, to be awesome in the public eye. Go in private, be awesome in the Father's eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I want to release you from the pressure of trying to be cool. Because guess what? They'll change it on you. I can't keep up with these dance moves. They'll change it on you. First it was the Superman, then it's like the Dougie, and then it's gone. They'll change it on you. They'll change it on you. But we submit to the Father who never changes. What's awesome to the Father has been awesome for all of eternity. You don't... You don't, you don't ever have to change it. You don't have to keep up with it. You don't have to figure out what's the new thing going on. Prayer was popular. Prayer was lit. Prayer was amazing. If Bentleys would have been invented, maybe they would have asked them how to make money. But prayer was popular, so they asked them how to pray. Are you asking God how to do something that gives you value in public? Is your number one prayer for finances so you can prove that you moved to, your, to L.A. for the right reasons? Or so that all your business people and all your business friends whose revenue has gone up quarter after quarter, you can show your profit, profit and loss statement and say, oh my gosh, my business is doing well too? Are you asking God, how do I make money so that people can acknowledge it? Because if you are, then you're like me. And if I am, then I'm like you. We're, we're submitting to the pressure from the culture, and we have this fear of finances. This is one of the biggest issues I have seen in my life and the lives of others. The church in the past have called it a spirit of poverty or a spirit of lack, but to make it understandable to everyone, I will call it a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset is that I will never have enough. What I have is not enough. There's got to be more. There's more. There's more. I'm not content what I have. Man, 50000 used to be a lot until I made it, and now it's not. Remember when you were dreaming to make 15 bucks an hour? And as soon as you make 15 bucks an hour, now you want to make 25. And as soon as you make 25, now you want more benefit. It's just never enough. It's a poverty mindset that keeps us in bondage. And I want, to, I want to tell you this. A poverty mindset is birthed in comparison. And the church is supposed to be pregnant with the promises of God. 
but they're pregnant with comparison and giving birth to poverty. It's a poverty mindset is birth in comparison. They're gonna put it on the screen for you, and I'm gonna tell you where comparison, what types of comparison I've seen the most. You gotta write this down. A poverty mindset is birth in comparison. Number one, comparison with what you used to have. Remember back in 98 when it was good? 2005, before the real estate, ooh, you had money in 2005, and you're in a poverty mindset because you're comparing with what you used to have. You're in a poverty mindset because you're comparing when your finances were good, when the business was great, when the revenue was awesome. And you're, can you leave it on the screen for them? Because I want them to, we're going to go through them one by one. Comparison with what you used to have. Or you're comparing with what someone else has. Do you know my dad grew up poor? Grew up poor, but didn't know it until he was 10 years old. Because he spent the night at a friend's house. And found out he was poor. Showed up rich, went home poor due to comparison. Didn't know it. I didn't know it until they weren't all sharing a meal. And everybody wasn't digging a little, and there seemed to be enough comparison to what someone else has. This is the one that's killed me. Comparison to what you feel like you are owed. You've been at that job for five years, still no promotion, still no raise. It puts you in a poverty mindset. You're comparing what you have with what you feel you are owed. And then comparison to what you want to have. This is the dreamers I'm talking to. Poverty mindset. And here's the thing. It, it, it puts you in a prison. My brother spent some time in prison. I spent quite a, a bit of time in prison, and um, and he would, when he would go to jail, he would call me, collect, and then I'd say, hey, do you need anything? And he said, yeah, I need you to put money on my books. Now, if you don't know what that means, um, you don't know anybody in jail, it means basically they, the, the jail has this little account, and you put money in the account, and they can use that money to buy things they need in prison to make prison a little bit more comfortable. But then family members actually manage how much they put in there because I don't want my brother to be comfortable in prison. And some of you are so stressed about finances, so anxious about your future, you're praying for God to give you money and God's saying, I'm not putting money on your books. You gotta get out of jail. You got to get free. I'm not, matter of fact, I don't pay the cost to keep you in prison and to keep you comfortable. Matter of fact, I sent the Holy Spirit, who was called in Scripture an advocate, literally translated attorney. So Jesus will not put money on your books, but he's paid your lawyer fees. He sent the Holy Spirit to get you out of that mindset, out of that poverty mindset, out of that prison that I got to make more, do more. It's a prison, and Jesus is saying, get out. You need to be free. I'm not putting money on your books. I'm not doing it. Now I gave my brother a little bit, enough to get by. You feeling like you only, God's only giving you enough to get by? That's because he won't put more money than that on your books. You got to get out of the mindset and fear that God's not going to come through for you. It's from the enemy. 
You know the average American spends about $223 per year on lottery tickets? 200, I haven't spent any money on lottery tickets. The average American spends $223 on, on lottery tickets, and they say they released the stat, 75% of all lottery winners are declaring for bankruptcy within five years because you can't give resources to someone with a poverty mindset. You can't do it. I want to give you another fact, just so you know I'm not making this up. This is practical. Remember when the stock market crashed and the economy crashed in 2007 and 2009? Remember that? The economy was terrible. In 2009, our government gave $13 billion to people like me. I got a check in the mail for $300. They gave $13 billion to people with a poverty mindset so that they would go into the economy, spend it on things they did not need, therefore stimulating the economy. They called it the stimulus package. Let's give money to people with a poverty mindset because they won't do what's right with it. They'll go to the mall. And then the whole economy is stimulated. Do you understand what, what I'm trying to tell you? And, with, and within a week, you know what, I went straight to the mall with that check and had back due bills and all kind of stuff because I had a poverty mindset. This, is, this kind of money and favor is never going to come again. Some of the poverty mindset is, is, is it's never going to come, and some of the poverty mindset is when it comes, it's never going to come again, so I got to make sure I do something for me. I got to do something for, for me. My little girl is, is, is in the bedroom the other day painting her nails, a pink color. Oh, you can't paint your own nails, though. You got to go and do a $60 jail nail. You can't paint your own nails. You got to paint, you, you don't paint your own nails. No, that, that's not, no, you can't just be out here in the streets with your own painted nail. Where did that, where did that come from? It's people make millions of dollars by convincing you you need something you don't. Now, I'm not saying don't get your nails painted. Congratulations. That's awesome. I'm not, but you hear what I'm saying? But don't, if you can, and it's been a couple of weeks and you haven't been able to do, don't you feel terrible? Oh, man, I can't even. It's the poverty mindset that the Lord wants to break. I want, I want to tell you this. There is stress and anxiety like never before in this area. And I want to give you one thing to promise me you will never do. Don't pray for heaven in your finances with hell in your heart. Ever. Because that's the prison. That's the, the, the money on the books. That's the, the shame that I'm not good enough. That's a, I got to prove to my family I moved from Iowa. And I got to prove to my family that I moved from Iowa for good reason. They call me every week and tell me how it's going. Or I got to prove to somebody. I got to prove to my, or I got to take care of my family. And God's asked you to participate and partner with him. But it's not your responsibility. God says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He says let's work together on this thing. It's not on you. It's never been all on you. It's always been on me. When you needed a savior, didn't I send Jesus? The Bible says that with Jesus, won't we, he within him, freely give us all things. It's not on you. It's not on you. It's not on you. And the Holy Spirit is going to free somebody today from this. So what does it have to do with the Lord's prayer? Because Jesus taught them to pray this way. 
Our Father. Our Father. Do you know that you are royalty? And the enemy wants you to focus on getting rich when you're royalty. What royal person worries about money? Because they're rich through access, not through earning. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. I am preaching to somebody right now. See, a royal person is rich through access, not through earning. I have yet to see, we're not in a monarchy, we're not in that, but I have yet to see a king work a nine to five. I'm not saying don't work, but your nine to five is to get dominion in the earth, but that is not the only source, that is not how you provide, you have access to the king of kings. You are royalty and God's saying you're trying to be rich and I'm trying to give you access. Our father, relationship. See, the problem is we think that sometimes when we're in a season where we don't have enough and we want, we want to live in a nice house, it's amazing. I hope you get a nice house. I hope you drive a nice car. But the scripture doesn't, doesn't, says our father, not our sugar daddy. says, our Father, who is in heaven, holy be thy name. I am royalty. You are a son of a king, a daughter of a king. And if you've been mistreated by someone right now, God's saying, no, I need you to get this revelation that you are royalty. Don't fall for it. If I wanted you to be rich, I would have sent money. But I wanted you to be royalty, so I sent a savior. And DJ Khaled keeps telling you to secure the bag, but Jesus came so you could secure the dad. How about that rap? You see what I'm saying? I, that's going to be my hashtag, secure the dad. Put your faith in Jesus, your father who is in heaven. You are a son. You are royalty. Stop trying to be rich and secure the bag. Put your faith in Jesus. Secure the dad. Father in heaven, holy be my name. Don't fall for it. it it'll put you in a prison. And what did he say? Your king, this is why he told them, then pray for the kingdom to come. Because royalty and access comes from operating in a kingdom mindset. And then the next line, he's almost saying, this is why you should pray for my kingdom to come, my will to be done. Because until that happens, I'm given daily bread. Doesn't God take care of you today? And if, if you don't feel you have enough to eat for today, come see me. God will take care of you for today. Come see me right after church. Come see somebody of our team. God will take care of you for today. But if you want to be entrusted, see, Joseph wasn't rich. He had access. So when everybody was in a famine, he was feasting because of access, because he had access to the royalty of Egypt at that time. You have access through Jesus' death and his resurrection, you have access to the Father. But he says, hey, I want you to have a kingdom mindset. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no lack in heaven. 
The, the revelations say the streets are paved with gold, gates made of pearl. There is no lack in heaven, but it's like everyone has a kingdom mindset. And we don't have a kingdom mindset, then you can only be a good steward of daily bread. But God's trying to give you access, access to, to his ways. I want you to look at this. Your will be done. When you dedicate your life to doing what God wants, you transfer from this. This is where the poverty mindset comes. You think you need money, but you need provision. I'm putting it on the screen for you. Money versus provision. The world says money. Cardi B says money. The Bible says provision. What's the difference between money and provision? God doesn't give money. God gives provision. He provides for the vision that he has called you to live out for your life. And if all you can see is lack, all you pray for is money. But if you can see where God's taking you, then you'll pray for provision. God says, if you can't see it, why should I pay for it? See, the spirit, so people with a poverty mindset pray for money. People filled with the Spirit pray for provision. God will provide if you're doing the will. And if you don't want to do the will, he's so good, he'll still give you daily bread. He'll still meet every need. But we got to be operating in the vision of heaven. I'm telling you, the way that God has provided for his vision is unprecedented. If you operate in the kingdom and you want to do God's will and you're focused on the king and he's guiding every your step and you let go of fear, what God will provide in this season will blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. My whole life I've wanted money for season tickets to a basketball game. My whole life, and I still to this day don't have enough money for, for, for season tickets to a basketball game. But I went to a basketball game with 10 of my family members for absolutely free. The Clippers gave them to me because I'm operating in the kingdom. I don't need the money. I got provision. You can keep your money. I don't need to be rich. I'm royalty. So when I show up, things bow. We keep bowing to the culture. What did Daniel say? The Bible says that in the book of Daniel, Daniel got, got access. He did one thing, he refused to bow to the culture. I don't bow to anything that the culture tries to tell me I'm missing in my life. I don't bow. If I have Jesus, I have everything. If I can't see it, why should God pay for it? I need to be able to see where he's taking the church. I need to be able to see. Because if I can't see where he's taking the church, then I can't trust him for provision. And I'll, as a pastor, I'll start asking you for money. And, and, and honestly, when tithes and offerings aren't where I feel like they could be, I, I, I've been tempted to do extra long-winded tithes and offerings message. Walk that bucket down two more times. Like, come on, man, bring it down. That right there, you missed somebody in the back. You missed somebody in the back. <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> I didn't see you put nothing in there. Don't, don't even ghost drop either. They teach the kids to ghost drop? Nah, nah, not in this season. Ain't nobody ghost dropping by faith. What they say? Pastor Philip laughs at me all the time because I'm always bringing up this movie, Coming to America. What she say in her offering message? We love the money that jingles. We'd rather have the kind that folds. I'm like, what kind of offering message is that? 
But I refused. I'm, I don't have a poverty mindset. You give whatever you tell the Lord's telling you to give. The church has been around for 2,000 years. It ain't going anywhere. I'm, I'm not going to bow to that type of pressure. I'm not going to walk in a poverty mindset. You know, the process to financial freedom begins with faith. And this next part is going to be awesome, but it's going to be, it's going to be challenging for some of us. Because I want, I want to put this, I want you to write this down. We're going to leave this one on the screen in a minute. Faith, however, financial freedom begins with faith. But faith does not give us the excuse to skip having a soul-searching, life-changing, and potentially painful assessment of our spending habits and our generosity. We got to assess it. You cannot be at Starbucks drinking a six-shot double caramel macchiato and 18 lemon loaves a day and spend it and talking about you ain't got no money. I'm telling you right now, somebody in the spirit needs to delete the Nike app. It's me. <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I repent. <laughs> Delete the Nike app off my phone, man. Do you know I've gotten up earlier for a shoe release than I have to pray? I'm just confessing. Wife said, all you, all, why you need all those shoes? And I just say, you know, the Bible says, like, the... the, the, the the blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Like, if we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, then that's what I'm doing, man. Like, they don't wear sandals anymore. They wear... We got we to gotta, we gotta start addressing this. And at some point, and this, this is going to be a journey we're going on as a church. We're going to address debt. We're going to address all of that. Some of y'all are putting stuff on a credit card. Like, you can't. Oh, my God. That's not the message. But if you came in here... You got one of these. Anybody not get one? Our ushers are here to give you one. Anybody not get one? Raise your hand high so you can get one. No guilt, no shame. We're going to take a quick assessment to make sure that we are not operating in a poverty mindset or to confirm that we may be operating in, in a poverty mindset. And, and these are things that my wife and I have addressed in, in our life. Now, at some point this year, Raise your hand high, you didn't get one. Um, at some point this year, we're going to talk about debt and other things that will release you from a poverty mindset. Um, but this is where I believe the Lord wants us to start. And since my wife and I have been focused on these areas, we really have been, God's done such awesome things. And uh, the, the first area... that I want you to look at is earning. So in, in the earning part of it, this is the people in their life. You can rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 and you've been able to earn a, a pretty decent income. You know, if you're above consistently in your life, above 50K, maybe you started a five. If you've approached or been around six figures, you can ride a seven, eight or above. I, I won't pick your score for you. But if you're doing well in this area, 
this is the poverty mindset for you, you're not doing well in the others, and the first thing you think about when it comes to money is I just need to make more money. But if you're not an earner, then, then this is really, I wish somebody would give me more money, you might be stressed about a promotion, but there's actually these five areas that I want you to address. And don't worry about what your score is, there's no guilt, but have an honest assessment. Do I, do I, have I been doing well at earning income? And the answer is low, don't, don't worry about it, but this is an honest assessment. The next one is generosity. If you currently tithe and give 10% to the local church, I'm not here to pressure you to do that, but if you do that on a, 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 on, on a regular basis, you know, I know we have months where maybe fear kicks in, I'm not trying to judge anybody, but if you tithe, you can start with a five. Because tithing is important. You know, interesting in Malachi 3.10, the Bible says, do this, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Why didn't he say the provider, the healer? He used military terms when it talks about tithers. I'll go to war for you if you trust me in this way. So you can start off, if you, if you're, if you tithe, you can just, you're four and above, whatever, I'll let you give your own. Um, generosity is also a willingness and a readiness to give. It doesn't mean that if you, someone you know is really hurting, you feel bad and you give it to them. That's great, keep doing that. But generosity in the Bible means I'm ready. Like I'm looking. I'm looking for opportunities to be generous. It's ready and willing and cheerful. It's a readiness. It speaks to, I'm ready. In a season where I wanted to be more generous, I would take 20 bucks, 100 bucks out of the bank, whatever I had, I'd keep it in my wallet and I would be ready if somebody needed something or if somebody was putting $10 in their gas tank and they had a Ford F-150. I'm ready to be a blessing. The third area is the only area on here that I had a one. One, I hate budget. Budgeting was demonic until I started assessing it. <laughs> Talk to me about budget. And I had to get right about this. Budget, budget is you know where your money's going. This ain't, I got $100 and I get paid on Friday, praise the Lord. No, this is like you know. You have an amount set aside for this, you have an amount set aside for coffee, you don't go over that amount just because you want a coffee. You, you, it's, it's, it's strict budgeting. Rate yourself a scale of one to 10 and then saving where you're set as setting aside an amount. Um, at some point this year, we're gonna do financial peace and they, they talk about having a $1,000 uh, emergency fund. You're setting aside amounts, right? And then this one is potent. The fifth one is spirit-led giving, where the Holy Spirit can tell you to give an amount that makes you so uncomfortable, you wanna slap somebody. Like you get mad. Like my wife, God spoke to my wife a couple of months ago and I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't have that but the spirit at any given time, right? This is where the spirit-led givers, you're, you're a river, not a lake. What, what God gives you flows through you to everyone around you as soon as he speaks. You're not a reservoir, you're not a lake. You know, mosquitoes and larvae don't, they tell you if you're trapped in the wilderness, don't drink from a lake. That's why Jesus didn't call you a lake. He said, rivers of living water will flow through you. And so as you rate these areas, I'm asking you to do just one thing. In the next six months of your life, take the two areas that you got the lowest score and commit yourself to be led by the Spirit and to get better in those two areas. That's all you gotta do. Now, if generosity and you don't, you don't, you don't tithe and you don't ever give to anyone because you don't feel like you have enough money, I'm not asking you to today start tithing. Hear my heart. 
I'm saying go on a journey to get better in that area. Six months, just can you stand before God and say, I'm actually better in this. And who knows, maybe God in his grace will allow you to do the whole thing. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to set you free from constantly having money on your mind. That's all I'm here to do. That's my assignment. My assignment isn't to get you to give. If you feel led to give to the church after this, you do it. If you feel led, that coworker who's been complaining, but you feel led to give to them, I want you to do it. Be led by the Spirit, but this is no pressure. God will continue to provide for us as a church. This is about you and your freedom.